0: Hello and welcome to Mari Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. This week we are going to revisit the bankruptcy code. Why are we going to do that? Well, this is the time for white papers, right? So let's discuss it in that context. Now, we all know that general elections are around the corner. There are no major decisions that are going to happen. It also means that the only hope that we have of any cleanup in the bankruptcy process which has been cynically gamed over the last few years is through occasional judicial orders. Because the amendment hasn't happened, it's not likely to happen, doesn't matter the trial balloons floated in the media. Now, if you want a judicial order, it can only happen when aggrieved professionals, or creditors, or debtors go to court, approach the NCLT, provide exhaustive documentation, which costs money and then there is a pronouncement in support of what they say and against wrongdoing that is going on. Luckily, it has been happening. So what happens is under the bankruptcy code or what is called the Insolvency and Bankruptcy Code 2016, you have the national company law tribunal, which I'm going to call the NCLT, which decides the resolution process. There is a resolution professional who helps coordinate with debtors, creditors, get bids, evaluate them, decide who forms the part of the committee. Between them, the resolution professional and the presiding officers of the NCLT wield enormous powers because every decision involves bad debts, loans, of running into several hundred crores most of the time, sometimes thousands of crores and there is hardly any supervision. Now I'm going to talk about two recent cases that illustrate complete rot in the system and how the judiciary has been involved in a partial cleanup case by case of the bankruptcy process. So let's start with the Madras High Court petition. Last month the Madras High Court responded to a petition filed by a Chartered Accountant and Insolvency Professional. His name is V Venkata Sivakumar. He also has a legal degree is an LLM and it appears in personal. In response to his petition, the Madras High Court asked the union government, in fact, the additional Solicitor General, to file a response. Mr. Siv Kumar has contended that the country loses several lakh crores of rupees due to corrupt and collusive decisions that are taken at the NCLT. So he wants a monitoring mechanism for the work of adjudicating officers, given the enormous power that they have in every decision that they make. Now, Mr. Sivakumar has been a whistleblower and at it for a long time. In fact, even earlier, he had alleged that a specific technical officer in the Chennai bench of the NCLT had assumed full authority, that of the presiding officer, over the adjudication process. He would decide matters in favor of the highest bidder. Yes, these are Allegations that have been made officially by Mr. Sivakumad. And he says negotiations would take place in his chambers without any documentation of these interactions. He has alleged that petitions of select senior counsel would be heard and juniors would just be shouted down and silenced. He's mm-hmm. decided to fight it. He has gone to the Supreme Court. He's been appearing in person, luckily online. And he has been out to try and eradicate corruption at the NCLT and its appellate body for over two years. In this case also, he's made the Ministry of Corporate Affairs, the Ministry of Law and Justice, the Central Vigilance Commission, and others as respondents. So let's see what the Madras High Court eventually decides, whether it orders a detailed inquiry, but it's important to remember that this is not the first time that NCLT's presiding officers have failed to meet the integrity test. This test is laid down by nobody other than the Chief Justice of India. So in 2022, the NCLT Bar Association filed a petition in the Supreme Court saying that all presiding officers should blanket be given a two-year extension. This is because, as usual, vacancies were not being filled, they were short-staffed. The bankruptcy code was introduced with much fanfare on the belief that within a certain number of days, a few hundred days, the cases would be decided. Nothing of that sort has been happening. Things drag on in multiple forums and it is extremely expensive. So the Bar Association wanted a two-year extension. This prompted a comprehensive report from the Ministry of Corporate Affairs, which was submitted to a committee chaired by the Chief Justice of India. The MCA, which is the Ministry of Corporate Affairs, had taken inputs from litigants, from government agencies, and this report is not public, but based on it, the CGI established four parameters for considering who is eligible for extension. These were good character, antecedents, work performance, and suitability. The outcome of this was that 15 out of 23 members were disqualified for an extension. We don't know the report, it ought to be in public, but it tells you what was going on and the kind of rot that is in the system. So this is one case, the Madras High Court. Now I'm talking about the NCLT, Ahmedabad, and the decision that it took on 20th February. The case was Punjab National Bank and others versus Alpha India Properties and others. This is the Ahmedabad bench of the NCLT. This case exposes a shocking manner in which one RP, the resolution professional, can game Everything from the composition of the committee of creditors. In this case, what did he do? So there were 20 creditors who were related parties connected with each other. He admitted them all as creditors, even though they were not eligible to be called financial creditors. Only financial creditors under the law can be part of the committee of creditors. Depending on the money owed to them, they get a share of the voting and decision so the coc finally decides so there are bids that are called by the resolution professional he evaluates them and then the coc decides who ought to get the company the best price of course is a big consideration but there are others also which is that they should continue running the company uh, preserve value maybe keep the employees on all these matter and the coc takes the final decision so look at what happens here ranged on one side are three large public sector banks. We would think they're very powerful. They are Punjab National Bank, Bank of India, and United Commercial Bank. On the other hand, this is all in the list of creditors. Are 20 entities related to Alpha India properties, and there is the resolution professional, Narenset, who's playing on their side. The case pertains to the bankruptcy proceedings invoked in KG Corporation in November 2022. Disgracefully, the resolution professional ignored all facts and data that had been filed, requests made by banks, banks are pointing out that these are related parties, they cannot be on the COC, he's ignored all that, and he allowed them all 20 together with claims of over 1200 crores to be falsely introduced in the committee of creditors. What did this do? It reduced the bank's voting share to 32.45 and gave this combined lot a share of 67.55%. Naturally, they decided. And they, in fact, decided the outcome of the resolution with a 75.09 majority vote. There's a lot to go into over there as well. Who else sided with them? But let's ignore that for the moment. Under the bankruptcy law, like I said, this decision would have been carried but for the fact that Punjab National Bank and others went to the NCLT with the litigation and objected to it. They presented exhaustive data, linkages, charts, which are all there in the order. So those of you who want to look at the order, look at it, they had to prove connections between every single entity as well as their cross connections and they came up with a web of 96 companies and 14 entities interconnected with common shareholdings, common directors, same registered offices. And these were split into three groups, the Thayal group, Yadav group, and the Silvasa group. All this had to be proved by creditors against another creditor. We're not even talking about the defaulter. The bench looked at all this and noted that the resolution professional had failed to conduct an independent verification of facts. He had also ignored shareholding patterns that were reported to the ministry officially. And he did this despite objections from the PSPs. Now, after examining all these, uh, the data and a lot of legal precedents on lifting the corporate wheel to see who is the real owner behind these entities, NCLT accepted that, all 20, but two were related parties. They had no right of representation or participation on the COC. It also scrapped the earlier decision of the resolution professional and asked for the COC to be reconstituted within 15 days, and told, directed the RP not to get involved. He was barred from being involved in the resolution process. This order is important for two reasons. First, that an RP can collude with corporate debtors to this extent and game the system so brazenly, because obviously there's no oversight. And in spite of objections raised, not by just some private entity or little firm, it is by three public sector banks, large public sector banks that report directly to the finance minister. And yet the RP was so confident that he could get away with it. The second point, It's more important that in spite of such egregious findings, the NCLT has done nothing but bar him from this proceeding, which means that he could get away unscathed and go on to similar mischief in some other cases. At the very least, NCLT could have ordered an investigation into his actions and his track record. I mean, the four parameters that were decided for presiding officers ought to apply to resolution professionals as well. And... Not only do these two cases show how the bankruptcy law has been gamed, but this is not the first time a resolution professional is under a cloud. In fact, in Jan 2020, the Central Bureau of Investigation had arrested one RP for accepting a bribe of 3.5 lakhs. Two years later, in April 2022, they arrested another RP. This time, the bribe was 20 lakhs. Obviously, the rates are going up. These are rare instances. They don't follow a pattern. And obviously, because they're so rare, they are not a deterrent at all to corrupt professions. Because remember, for any action to happen, somebody has to get all the facts, file a complaint, and fight, which very few do. And thanks to the fact that people are not willing to fight, massive loans of government banks are just written off. They run into lakhs of crores. So a fortnight ago those of you who watched this video blog would know I talked about this white paper presented by Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman, which had selectively listed 15 scams that happened between 2004 and 2014, 10 years before this government came to power. It had many curious inclusions and omissions. And we wondered why certain scams had been picked up. I also pointed out that in the 10 years of the NDA, the National Democratic Alliance, the biggest defaulters who have fled the country, most celebrated, making headlines, are Modi, Vijay Amalia, Chatin Mehta of Suraj Diamonds, the Sandeh who for running a thriving petroleum and oil business in Africa, none of them have been brought back. Nothing happened. There's just a noise saying we are after corruption, but nothing happened. So, wouldn't you say it's time for another white paper? Because now the bankruptcy code is the manner, is the route for writing off several lakh crore rupees. This has happened from 2016 under this government, surely needs another white paper. If you agree, please share this video and subscribe. Thank you so much.